Hi everyone, this is Crystal Brando, Senior Project Associate at Policy Research Associates. This is the first in a four-part series that we are doing with the Wellness Council of America, or WELCOA, which is one of the nation's most respected resources for building high-performing, healthy workplaces. So we have this new series lined up discussing mental health and health in the workplace, as well as different principles related to well-being and resiliency. So on today's podcast, we're delighted to be joined by Ryan Piccarella, who is the president of WellCoa. Ryan brings an immense knowledge and insight from his career that spans over a decade in the health and wellness industry to this conversation. He's a national speaker, healthcare consultant, and has designed and executed award-winning wellness programs. So again, we are delighted to have Ryan here with us today on this first podcast to talk about social determinants of health. So Ryan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Crystal. Glad to be here. I appreciate it. So like I said, this is the first um, in a four-part series that we're doing with Wellcoa, and this is also a part one of uh, this topic of social determinants of health. And the subtopic for today is, can the workplace stand in the gap? So before we really dive into what that means, let's back up a little bit and talk about social determinants in general. So Ryan, can you talk about what research says about social determinants of health and how um, that can relate to creating healthy organizations? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really important thing because what we're talking about now, and I think what the research is, you know, is, has been very conclusive, is that where we live, where we eat, where we play, has a huge impact on our health. And from an organizational context, we can't just impact people's behaviors and their health just through the workplace. That we need to understand that zip codes matter, that we can have a huge sort of change in life expectancy from, you know, within miles apart. And so there's a, there's a lot of things that, I, you know, I look forward to unpacking with you. But, you know, I think the important thing here is that where you live, where you wake up every single day has a huge impact on your health and your children's health and those around you's health. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And the conversation on the social determinants of health and the ways that where you live impacts your health is really important to the mental health part of that conversation as well. We often talk about it in the context of physical health and to think of how where you live impacting different mental health outcomes and well-being outcomes is really important. So within that, like you mentioned, there's this piece that involves organizations. So where do you see organizations, workplaces in this conversation on social determinants? The thing is that, you know, companies really can't pick their employees by zip codes, but what they can do is they can help sort of fill the gaps a little bit for maybe some of those inequities that exist with some of their employees. And so things like, you know, recognizing if you're a large employer, chances are you're going to have a handful of your employees that might live in food deserts or might not have the same access to care uh, that other employees might have. And so what, you know, employers and organizations can really do is start thinking about what are some of the resources and support that they can provide to their employees that they might not have uh, you know, access to otherwise. So, I mean, there, there's some of the obvious stuff that, you know, providing, you know, healthy food and, you know, the ability to move around, whether that's standing workstations or at least walking trails or at least an office environment that's conducive uh, for some type of physical activity. You know, larger organizations might even have the benefit of offering different types of, um, you know, access to food such as farm, uh, farmer's markets. Um, there's, there's kind of two sides to this corn here a little bit. And I think part of it is, is what can companies do to help employees and, 
again, like some of the things that I can mention, how can they provide some of those service and benefits, you know, to the work site that they might not otherwise have. And the other part of that too is, you know, what can they do within those particular communities? And so I think that, you know, organizations really have kind of two responsibilities. One is to take care of their employees and ensure that their employees have all the things that they need uh, to achieve their wellness goals and to live a healthy, happy life. And the other piece is that I think it's their sort of obligation as well to, you know, be thinking about the communities. How can they help ensure that the communities that their employees live in, um, you know, have the things that they need as well? So even simple things like playgrounds, you know, are there ways that, you know, employers can help, you know, get access to, to playgrounds and schools and things like that? And these like, they sound like really simple things, but I can tell you a lot of the communities I've worked with over the years, uh, there can be some major barriers that organizations can really kind of stand in uh, and help do that. It's really about creating equitable environments, both in the workplace and in the communities. Thank you so much for that. And I was delighted to hear that a few of the things that you mentioned are things that we do here at Policy Research Associates. So um, staff have the option to get food from a local farm delivered during the workday. We have a walking trail behind the building for the employees that are here at headquarters. Um, We make sure that they're aware of that and promote taking walking meetings even and, and getting outside and getting on that trail or even using it before or after work. Do you mind sharing some of the things that WOCOA does? Like, so in your discussion of how organizations um, have a role here, what are some things that your organization offers employees? Yeah, great question. So I'll give you some of the things that that we do. And so, you know, I think that there's, you know, opportunities for small organizations. And so and we're, you know, we're a fairly small company, so we don't have some of the, the, you know, the resources that a large company that might be able to put like a pharmacy or, you know, a clinic on site or things like that. So I'll speak a little bit about Wellcoa through the lens of a small business, and then maybe give you some examples kind of on up of different types of organizations and what, you know, I see them doing. So like you mentioned, we, you know, we do kind of a, a co-op farmer's market didn't season. So we kind of pool together and we have a, a local uh, co-op that we work with that delivers, um, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables and, and meat, if you choose, and, you know, recipes to do that. We will bring, you know, people in to, um, you know, sort of talk about those things. We've done cooking classes, other types of opportunities to help um, employees or to take advantage of maybe some, you know, fruits and vegetables that they might not be as, as familiar with or are comfortable cooking with uh, within their own kitchen. Um, something that we do, too, that's a little bit unique is we, you know, we give paid time off for employees to give back to the community. And so if you have a particular charity that you're interested in, if you work in a local food bank or humane society or really anything, you know, we encourage our employees to take paid time off to go uh, to give back in those particular communities, which I think has been a pretty impactful thing and um, really fulfilling thing for not only our employees, but for those that get back to you. There's this kind of idea that, you know, when you when you give, when you're you know, philanthropic with your time, that there are health benefits, not just what you're actually giving uh, that go t- um, to you and the organization. And so that's something that um, that we've been um, doing too. Something that I think is important for us that you know, we encourage, um, and, and work-life balance is nothing new, but if you have, you know, kids that are doing something and really making sure that there is, you know, kind of strength in the community. So how can we take time and how can you adjust work schedules around these types of things to support, uh, families and communities, all of that, you know, we'll do seasonal activities as well, whether that's, um, during the holidays time, adopting families, um, that might be in underserved areas, uh, donating food, things like that is something that we at Wakoa, um, you know, have done in the past. And so, the, you know, those are some simple 
simple things that really don't cost a lot of, of money, but can really be a huge help. Things in past lives that I've done is, um, you know, helping with establishing um, community gardens. Um, so maybe taking a city block that was otherwise just kind of sitting there dormant and um, seeing if there is an opportunity to sort of, you know, build these gardens. And what's so cool that I've seen is, you know, gardens are amazing. And, and you know, you have when you when, when kids in the community kind of go in and they can build these things and, and put their, you know, sweat into it, they're more likely to eat these things. So I've seen kids that would never eat, um, you know, cucumbers or tomatoes before because they thought they were gross. But when they grew them themselves, um, really had a lot of pride in that, which is which is pretty awesome. The other thing that's kind of interesting when you do these types of things is it really teaches, um, you know, not just kids, but adults too. And I've seen even at farmers markets and larger organizations that if the only place you have access to is a local department, you know, grocery store, you really don't have a connection as to what might grow in your area. So, you know, pineapples don't grow in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, but if you shop at places where they, you know, they always sell pineapples. So there's really kind of a, another sort of benefit that, you know, even surprised me in the beginning is, is helping people really sort of connect to the food system, understand what they might be able to grow even on their porches and things like that. So I think there's a lot of educational components that organizations can give back. And then as you work your way up to, to large companies, you know, things like bringing flu shots on site or biometric screenings or primary care. I've seen organizations that will bring dental services out to maybe remote areas where um, people otherwise don't have access to that care. Uh, mental and behavioral health. I mean, a really important topic that I think we're going to get into, you know, in other episodes here, but how can you bring those services on site? And the idea is that if it's not convenient for people, we know that, that a lot of times they're not going to seek it out or it just might not be, um, you know, reasonable for them to do. We all have very busy lives. And if you've got to commute back and forth on, you know, buses, automobiles, trains or whatever, and you have all of these things that are not within your, um, you know, sort of perimeter of your life, uh, it's difficult. And so organizations, it's really simple to ask people what they need, right? And so it's, you know, a lot of times um, that's all organizations need to do and then begin to understand, you know, what are the top priorities? What do people really need? Uh, and then figure out a strategy for bringing, you know, some of those things on site. And, and a lot of times, and even for small companies, they can be uh, pretty cheap. I mean, for, I've seen communities that have, for instance, mammogram vans that don't charge you know anything to the organization, but can come up there um, and help employees get the screenings they need to make sure that they uh, stay healthy as well. And so, I mean, there are all all kinds of things that I think you know, regardless of what size organization that you are, that you can begin to help you know sort of create more equity um, where your employees live through the workplace. That's excellent. And I love, um, you know, with Wellcoa being a, a smaller organization, I love that you started with what small businesses can do. At Policy Research Associates, we're also a small business and we do quite a few of the um, activities and offer quite a few of the programs and services that you discussed that you all give to your employees as well. And it really is something that all organizations of any size can go ahead and try to make change in how they do their day-to-day -day work and really control the impact of that work environment on health and these different offerings that you've described are ways that, like you said, we can't control where the employees are living, but what can the workplace offer um, that can help health and wellness outcomes for their employees? So that's wonderful. Yeah, the, the, the idea that no, it's well said, I mean, the idea is to understand what barriers the employees have um, to either achieving their wellness goals or living a healthy life. And then the, you know, the organization really kind of stepping in and helping do what they can within reason uh, to knock those barriers down to give people a better chance at living a healthy, happy life. 
Great. Thank you. So there's one um, last question for this episode. And, you know, when we think about all the different things that organizations can do, that may vary. Again, we can't control where the employees live, but where the organization is located um, may have an impact on what they're able to do. And there may be opportunities for organizations in underserved areas specifically um, that they may have different challenges to improving employee health in the workplace, or they may need to take different approaches to this. So what are some things that organizations can do to improve health in those underserved areas? Yeah, great question. And, you know, there's a, there's a couple things that I think is really important. And I really believe that, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, that organizations really need to take some responsibility for the community that they live in. And, you know, it, it's really about economic viability at this point. And what I'm seeing, especially in smaller rural, uh, rural areas, this is incredibly important because they're losing, you know, young people and talent and families uh, to a lot of times go into the bigger urban centers. And so, you know, communities, especially the smaller ones and organizations that exist within those areas, need to really be thinking about how they can bolster their community. And part of that uh, is ensuring that everybody in that community um, is healthy. And so I've seen, you know, organizations go as far as, you know, helping with, you know, urban planning, whether it's looking at complete streets, active transportation, helping establishing farmers markets, even, you know, shuttling employees to, you know, some of these areas. It's helping, you know, maybe with the school systems, you know, what are the right types of food uh, that we should be serving the children in these communities so that they, you know, start young and they begin to have this education. Uh, community education centers, I think a lot of times that organizations, uh, you know, might not realize is that there's tip, there's a a lot of great organizations, a lot of not-for-profits that might be right there in your community that's willing to offer uh, assistance and help, whether it's a local, uh, you know, fitness center type, you know, thing where you can go in and you can begin to help your employees, you know, begin to read labels and go to the grocery store and have various access, delivery, uh, food delivery, telemedicine is an important thing that, you know, that is, is kind of, you know, growing and offering. And you can talk to your doctor um, over the phone or through video and begin to understand what types of resources they can begin to offer uh, to their employees in those capacities. Um, a big challenge in a lot of, um, you know, underserved areas too, and I, I, I briefly touched on this earlier, is, you know, making sure that children have access to play. Um, and sometimes you might have a playground that after school hours gets locked up because of risk or liability issues. And, you know, I think that that's ridiculous that, you know, organizations can maybe help, you know, again, knock down some of those barriers that, you know, children even have the ability to, you know, sort of play and be an active participant in the community as well. And so I think organizations certainly have more power than they realize sometimes. And it's being, um, you know, kind of active with that, whether you get involved with the local chamber. And I've seen things with the chamber and outside of the chamber that business leaders, CEOs coming together to really be thoughtful about how can we improve our community, uh, not just the health and wellness of our employees, but to really create a vibrant community for generations to come. And so I think that, you know, depending on where what part of the country you're in and, and, and where you're, what types of businesses we're talking about, um, there's certainly a lot of things. And, and to me, um, and I, I guess being at Walcoa, you know, a, a bit biased, but I firmly believe that businesses are going to be the key to our success in the future. And so the more that they can connect and really rally around this, and this is the one thing that, uh, especially in, in, in that, you know, day and age like today, that's nonpartisan, regardless of, you know, what side you sit on or what religion you are, that coming together to take care of our employees and our community should be a priority uh, for everybody. And so I think it's just an important, the first piece is to start having the conversation to begin to understand what are the right steps that you can do uh, to help everybody in the community. And even the aging community is also uh, important as well. Excellent. Thank you so much for that, Ryan. 
That wraps up today's podcast. So again, this is part one of two on social determinants of health specifically, and um, part one of four that PRA is working on with Wellcoa. We talked a little bit today about whether or not the workplace can stand in the gap um, when talking about social determinants of health. And I think Ryan offered some very clear examples of how organizations and workplaces can indeed uh, fill that gap and help to support their employees, regardless of where they live, regardless of what opportunities are available in the community. There are ways to bring resources into the organization and uh, be a place that promotes health and wellness for employees. So Ryan, thank you so much for everything you shared today. And we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Crystal. It's great to be here.